All right, we should have a fun show for you today on this Thursday, June 22nd. Still my birthday week, so, you know, I'm in a good mood. Adam Azer here with uh, Team Creep, Chris and Heath. What's up, guys? It's been a, a great week of fantasy baseball. I'm excited to be here and excited for the NBA draft tonight. I'm sure that you will be tweeting all night about how the draft isn't as good as it used to be. But uh, In fairness... I think the NBA draft used to be better because now the players have such better fashion sense that it's really just not as entertaining. You Somebody's going to wear something terrible tonight. No, you look back at those old drafts, though, and these dudes are wearing, like, these are like seven-foot-tall dudes that are still wearing suits that are too big for them. I miss that aspect of mm. it. Yeah, everybody used to wear suits that were too big for them. But now, you know, we have Indochino. Thank you for letting me put that plug in. So I was pretty active on the waiver wire last night. Uh Well... I guess for a Wednesday night anyway. So we'll talk about that. Buy or sell a little bit later. Mike Fires, do we have to change our theme song? He's been really good for five starts now. Uh, we'll update you on Team Creeth versus Team Scam, which I didn't know was happening until uh, last night when I looked at that score. Uh, oh, crap. Did I send you the notes with the name that player in it? Because if I did, you're going to have to ignore that section of the I'm notes. I'm not... I don't, I'm not looking at the notes anymore. Chris, don't look at the notes. Don't look I at the notes. Cheating, I won't look at Chris. the notes. I won't look at the notes. Don't Chris look at the notes. I gave you, we're gonna play name that player, and I think I sent you the answers to name that player, so just don't look. Yet another shortcoming of Adam <laughs> There we go. Alright, uh, I added a few players last night. I wanna know what you think. Scott's not on the show today, which is a shame, because I told him he would thank me later for dropping Eric Sogard for Nick Pavetta. Uh, but before Pavetta, I added Alex Cobb. I owned Alex Cobb to start the year in four of my five leagues. I was pretty high on Cobb. And then I became pretty low on Cobb. I just didn't think he was anything special. But if he really is getting his uh, his best pitch, uh, I think his changeup, I think is what Scott said, back, um, that, set, that inspired me to pick him up again. So luckily I did. Cobb has two starts next week at Pittsburgh and at Baltimore. And I am hoping that he can be better than just sort of run of the mill. So that was one guy I added, Alex Cobb, 72% owned. Now you react and say, Oh, you oh, want to hear what my thoughts are on Alex Cobb. Well, right. as you were talking about Alex Cobb, I was thinking my grade slash thoughts on your acquisition of Alex Cobb is solely dependent on who he faces next week. If it would have just been one start, but at Pittsburgh, I still would have liked it. Two starts and at Pittsburgh, I love it. Great job, Adam. A plus. <laughs> but this isn't really about just week thirteen. I'm looking for uh, for some right. For, I'm saying for stability. me, Alex Cobb is still of that class of pitcher where whether I own slash start him is dependent on his future schedule. Okay. So what's the? I, I guess my question is what's the? Uh, what's the argument that he's getting the splitter slash changeup back? Oh, you'd have to ask Scott. It's just what Scott said, and I listen to you guys. So Yeah, Scott quoted someone yesterday, but I don't have the source. Okay, I mean, he threw, it looks like, 25 splitters in his last, or change-ups in his last start. Got five swinging strikes, so that's pretty good. I think that's what it was, that he's throwing it more. I think that was the main okay. the main gist of it. So that could be a big pitch for Cobb, and let's hope. All right, Chris, you tell me. what you, We talked about him last time. He had a great start. It was against the Red Sox, but now it was against the Cardinals last night. Nick Pavetta, who in his last two starts has, let's see, 10 strikeouts, uh, 19 strikeouts in 13 innings, 10% owned. He is a two-star pitcher next week. I recommend dropping somebody that you don't need. Like Eric Sogard, we were starting in that 16-team league, but now we have Segura back, so we 100% do not need Sogard. Um, 
And I, wa- I watched Pavetta, and I thought he looked very good, and he's throwing 95, and I don't know. His numbers are still overall pretty bad, so it could be nothing, but he's 10% owned. Nick Pavetta, what do you think? He definitely needs to be more than 10% owned. This is a guy who his minor league track record is just okay, has always been one of those really hard throwers but not necessarily a pitcher kind of guys. But then you look at it's only 10 starts, but – his AAA track record, he had a 4-4-1 ERA at AA. And he gets up to AAA, 10 starts. That's all it is, but 10.2K per nine, 1.9 walks per nine, uh, 1.91 ERA in those 10 starts. Nick Pavetta is a guy who throws 95 miles an hour, needs to develop the secondary pitches, but is it, it's possible that the light just flipped on. Okay. All right. So again, this is, I'm not saying you need to drop a good player for Nick Pavetta, but if you have a roster spot that you can play with, would you drop Joe Biagini tonight? Yes. Absolutely. You would? Okay. Yes. Right. I mean, yeah. You're looking at Pavetta. He's got 19 strikeouts and three walks over his last two starts. You need to make adding him a priority, I think. I also want to point out, if Jeff Hoffman gets dropped, he's got two starts on the road next week. He's been amazing on the road. I think one might be at Arizona, but uh, that's not somebody I would shy away from. Hoffman is, uh, let's see, he's... At San Francisco and at Arizona. So Jeff Hoffman, 78%, only got crushed last night. If he gets dropped, you want to pick him up. What stood out to you guys yesterday? Well, I think the Grand Salvador. Oh, yeah, I wanted to ask you. Are you uh growing a playoff beard? Is that what your facial hair is about? Is it for the is it for Kreef? Is it for the Royals? Because you have a lot of facial hair. Um I went on vacation. And I went to the mountains, and then I thought, you know, walking around the forest, you don't want to have a clean face. No telling what will happen to you. Heath, Heath's not telling the truth. We've both decided to grow beards until our respective favorite teams make the playoffs. Uh-huh. Uh, I haven't shaved, obviously, in 15 years. <laughs> it's been a pretty good last four or five years for me. Yeah, it's, it has been good. That's why you haven't had a beard before this. Right. So uh, okay, stand out from yesterday. No, wait, wait, wait. We we have to talk about Salvador. We I cut him off. Okay, buy or sell. Now is the time to sell Salvador Perez. I'm gonna give him a couple more weeks. I'm gonna try to because uh, he's gonna start in the All Star game. That's gonna keep his profile up. He's gotten a little bit extra rest. Chris and I were just looking at it. He's actually caught the seventh most innings this year. He's not leading baseball in innings caught. I I will give him until the All Star break, and then I'm gonna shop really hard. Oh, because okay. he's always been pretty good in June. Yeah, he I know. Wear down until after the break. But you know, my concern is that like if people know that about Salvador Perez, and but he's also having like maybe I don't have his half season splits for every season, but I feel like this is the best we've ever seen Salvador Perez. Probably. I would guess that's probably true. He's actually he has made some changes to his game, and you know whether those sustain or not, he has. uh He's a he's a flyball revolution guy. He's uh improved from around forty percent in twenty fourteen and fifteen, forty seven last year, fifty one this year. So you know he's uh the the power gains seem real, but you do have to be concerned about the the playing time in the second half swoon as always. All right, Chris Towers, give me a standout from Wednesday. Uh okay. Remember how Andrew Miller was the closer now because the Indians needed to preserve his workload and make sure that he's not getting overworked and all this? He worked two innings in the seventh and eighth last night. You know what I have to say about that? Fool you! 
it never made much sense and I, they have a a combination that works they might give andrew miller a save every once in a while he might get five or six saves for the rest of the season but i i have a hard time i had a hard time believing at the time that it was going to come to anything and yesterday was was a good example of why also I, yeah. uh tommy fam double dong he's he really looks like he's for real Okay, we sh- we'll talk about. I actually want to talk about outfielders in general and who might be underowned or overowned, um, because you know we talk about outfielders that that hit well almost every single day, and we got to decide which ones are just sort of like pick them up while they're hot, and which ones are let's keep them on our team or let's get them on our team now for some future production because because uh, Fam is only twenty five percent owned. By the way, uh, Cody Allen was with his wife who was having a baby. So he did not get the save yesterday, but Cody Allen is the closer for the Cleveland Indians. I want to nominate Mike Fires as the Wednesday standout. 61% owned, last five starts. We should have started Mike Fires. He's 4-0 with a 172 ERA. 11 walks, 29 strikeouts, and 31 and a third. Is anyone buying Mike Fires? I'm really disappointed. You, you said all of that very quickly. But not in the, uh, in the rhythm of the theme song. I'm really disappointed you didn't at least try. Uh, I, look, tough. we see good stretches from Mike, Mike Fires. We see good half seasons from Mike Fires, but he is what he is. And I, I don't see any reason to believe that he's going to be something different. He's a guy who has trouble keeping the ball in the yard, has given up 18 home runs this season. Uh, strikeout rate. At times has been really good, but it's below average right now. I, I just, I have trouble getting excited about a Mike Fire stretch. I would rather have Pavetta. I would rather have Francis Martez. I would rather have anyone who I don't know is mediocre. I would put Fires in that same group. He's climbing into the tier with Alex Cobb. Would you rather have Michael Waka or Mike Fires? Michael Waka. <sighs> Terrible Waka yesterday. Yeah, he's not had a very good stretch at all recently. No. Mike Fires has a 5-6-4 FIP. Well, That's, there yeah. You go. He's a 381 ERA, but it, he's been, you know, obviously a lot I, better lately. Like, I don't think Fires is good, but at some point we get to a level of pitcher low enough to where we're just playing the guy that's pitching well right now. Yeah. And, and by, and yeah, I dropped Jordan Zimmerman, by the way, for Alex Cobb, cause that's a guy who, like, you, the, what you're saying about, um, fires, that's kind of how I feel about Zimmerman, like, I don't really think he's that good. He's right in that same group, yeah. I know this slider's getting better, but how good is he, even if he's at his best? I don't think he's the same pitcher we saw in Washington, so, uh, I'm, I got him for the two starts, he'll pitch against San Diego, he'll do great, and I don't think I'm gonna be that motivated to pick him back up, but we'll see. Uh, alright, so I get it. Fires is a jag at best, according to Chris Towers. And now it's time for our tweet of the day, nominated by at Heath Cummings Sr., also at C Towers CBS, and I am at Adam Azer, A-I-Z-E-R. And I'm not going to give Scott's Twitter handle out because I'm a little hurt that he's not here today. Uh, so uh, not- he, he has responded to the tweet of the day. Does not seem pleased that Team Scam is being called out on Twitter. Have uh, This is the tweet of the day. It's from Nathan Pickle. Have we just not talked about the Kreeth versus Scam matchup this week, or did I miss it? Well, I think we can just go through a quick rundown. You know, it's Thursday. We can kind of start thinking about where things are. So we'll just give a quick, very quick category by category rundown. Team Kreeth is winning on base percentage 480 to 306. 
<laughs> winning RBIs 25 to 6. Oh my god, 25 to 6? Winning <laughs> runs 17 to 8. Winning Holy stolen crap. bases 4 to 1. Home runs 9 to 1. Saves 4 to 1. Whip 0.78 to 0.83. That one's close. You, you guys probably should be winning that one. And ERA, we are winning 0 to 3.55. Jeez, um, you are winning quality starts two to zero and strikeouts thirty two to nine. All right, so you're having an, an unbelievably monstrous offensive week, and there's just nothing that we can do about that. Is that basically what I've? Corey Seager, great. Uh, Salvador Perez, oh Andrew Stu- Stupid McCutcheon. All right, so there's no no hope here. Uh, uh no, great. we. I, I'm not saying it's over. Oh, it's over. There's no way we could win. I mean, I'm not saying we're going to lose eight to two. You could come back and whip for sure. Like seven to three is a very realistic goal. We have Kershaw and Kluber. Right. He that that didn't help in his first start. No, but I, I imagine it, it should. We have Brad Hand, so <laughs> there you go. I have Tommy Conley. All right, thank you for that tweet, Nathan. Appreciate you bringing that up. Now let's rank some starting pitchers. I'm going to give you three studs. Tell me how you're ranking them now. Jose Barrios, Justin Verlander, James Paxton. Uh, in the opposite order of, yeah, Verlander, Paxton, Barrios for me. Ah, uh, do I have Paxton? I don't. Paxton and, and Paxton Verlander. might move back towards Barrios given his rough stretch here. But we didn't. But like Verlander had a, a pretty rough stretch himself. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, I did watch you, the. You probably had Verlander. Eight or nine spots lower than either Scott or I did coming into the season. Okay. We all know why. Um, because he wasn't very good. What do you mean he wasn't very good? Coming into the <laughs> season? I wasn't coming in off form. Of, coming, wasn't in form. Off, coming off a year where he should have won the Cy Young? You didn't think Verlander was going to be that good either. I had him as a top ten starting pitcher. Wrong. Uh, Paxton, Verlander, Barrios. You have Paxton one. I have Paxton one spot. In my top 300 ahead of Verlander. So they're basically the exact same thing. Okay. So I, I, and Chris has Verlander, Paxton, Barrios. Uh, I watched the game last night and not all of it, but, um, I was pretty surprised that Paxton's line ended up being as bad as it was because his first two innings were scoreless. He struck out the side in the second inning. He looked great. And I guess there's just still some minor adjustments that he has to make, but I think, you know, from my perspective, there were a lot of positives for both of these guys, because Verlander's final line, three runs in five and two-thirds, was a little disappointing. He had a perfect game through five innings. He gave up a bunt single to Gerard Dyson, dirty, and... Uh, that's the no, it's stupidest... Not, it's like, not, I heard some people it's saying not, that, and that's ridiculous. Not. If it was the bottom of the ninth, and you're down by four runs, and the guy's got a perfect game, I could understand the argument. It's the sixth yeah, inning. I honestly, like... I don't think I could understand it because it's James Paxton. This is what James Paxton what? does. We're talking Do about what are, you, what, are, what are you talking about? We're, we're, sorry, we're Jared, Jared, Gerard Dyson. Okay. Thank Do you. you step outside on a sunny day and get mad because the sun is too bright? Gerard Dyson's not trying to swing the bat. He's bunting seventy percent of the time anyway. <laughs> okay, they, well, there was nothing wrong with it. <laughs> Even Verlander said it was fine. But no, he was pitching great. Then he gives up the bunt single. There was a walk. There was a uh, like a bloop single, and then the two run double. From Nelson Cruz, and then luckily he got taken out of the game, and I said, alright, I can go to sleep now. But, um, I don't know, both these guys had some positive signs. Paxson had eight strikeouts in five and a third. So, They're all good pitchers. Like, I, I don't, 
I disparage Justin Verlander just on the basis of not being a top ten pitcher, but they're all within in my top thirty. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to look for any negatives in a game where Justin Verlander strikes out eleven and walks one. Right. Like, he racked up big pitch counts. He ended up with 110 and five and two thirds innings. It's it's very likely that he just ran out of gas a little bit. I'm not worried about that. <sighs> okay, Barrios, man. Woo, top twenty. He's he's getting. He's I think there. I almost have him in my had him in my top twenty before this. I believe I have him twenty fifth or twenty sixth. He's <sighs> quite good. I had him twenty sixth. Yeah. We're getting, oh, I'm definitely I'm moving him above Michael Pineda right now. Oh, thank you. You should have done that a while ago. You had Pineda in your top twenty five. Yeah. We had wow. a whole discussion about this and last you came, week. Keith. You just came around. Uh, no, no, he hates him. He just thinks he's a top. I'm just waiting pitcher. for any excuse to move like 27 pitchers ahead of him. But is Barrios going to be ahead of Jamison Tyone, the your number one pitcher? That's I'm right there, 24, 23 for me. Okay. Even I love Tyone, and I can't justify for one second having him ahead of Barrios. Okay. Can no. you justify I have, it? I have Jamison Tyone. Well, Jose Barrios has been really good for what eight starts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe sure. Whatever That's it is. not even half of his major league career so far. Right. There's still like there are still I I look I've got Jose Barrios in my top twenty four. I think he's really good, but Jameson Tyone I think was undervalued coming into the season. Was undervalued when he got called up. Didn't have the hype because he missed the two years dealing with Tommy John and then an abdominal injury. Would you agree it's much easier to see Jose Barrios becoming a top 10? Jose Barrios has much more. Okay. I I think Jameson Tyone is still safer, and I think balancing those two things is tricky. Look, you're not – I don't think anybody's going to trade the two of them. I think that would be a a silly thing to do, but – I would trade Jameson Tyone for Jose Barrios. Oh, yeah, I would too. Yeah, I don't know if I would. Absolutely, and I I really like – I mean, I was defending Tyone while you were on the show yesterday, Chris, but – uh, I, I just yeah, you guys needed to move him up. I think is the whole point of that segment, right? I'm about 45. Yeah, but that's 20 spots lower than you. You still need to move him up. <laughs> yeah, I I just think that maybe I should care, but I don't care about Barrios's uh, 2016 eight ERA. I just don't care. I mean, he's he's better. He's fixed it. He, he's he's definitely no, he's definitely better, but it's still. I have to be look. All all I can do is but be, if consistent you're being consistent in how I judge players. Right, but you include minor league track record in that as well. Sure. And so when you're looking at Jose Brios, minor league, major league track record as a whole, every start that 2016 in the majors looks like more and more of an outlier. Mm-hmm. Like, and it right now sticks out like a sore thumb. Like sure. he was an incredible pitcher in AAA for two years. Mm-hmm. And remember, he said Brios said that he had trouble adjusting from the minor league ball to the major league ball. So he started throwing his side sessions while he was in the minors with the major league ball, and that helped his transition this time well, around. So because the minor league ball is not juiced. <laughs> Whatever it is. He said there was a difference in the seams, which I thought That's, was pretty interesting. That, like, we scoff a lot of times at some of these explanations. That one seems reasonable. To well, me. no, yeah. but the, the seams on the major league ball are provably lower. Right. Than the minor league ball. That that ringer piece from a couple weeks ago, they actually tested minor league balls in addition to major league balls, and that is one of the differences. Provably? That's a word? I'm not sure I've ever said the word provably. I believe provably is a word. All right. Prove. I've got all the best words. Prove it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. News and uh, notes. Yeah, it's on dictionary.com. Excellent. To establish the truth or genuineness of as by evidence or argument. Well, you just nailed it. So 
Way to go. Injuries, news, and notes. All right, we got a couple of pitchers who are being called up. Seattle's Andrew Moore is going to start today, and Cincinnati's Luis Castillo is going to start against the Nationals on Friday. I remember when this guy had uh, like a 35-game hitting streak for the Marlins over a decade ago. But Funny. This Luis Castillo was also on the Marlins. Oh, was oh oh. He's the uh, Dan Straley. Right. He I was s- also traded for Andrew Kashner last year and then traded back. So we got Andrew Moore for Seattle and Luis Castillo for Cincinnati, and both these guys have some nice minor league numbers. Are we picking these guys up? Yeah, I've got to admit I've never heard of Andrew Moore before this. Not a top 100 prospect, but the minor league numbers are pretty good. 259 ERA and 284 innings. Um I don't know. The profile kind of looks like the the guy who gets by on middling stuff and great command in the minors, but that doesn't necessarily mean it will translate to the majors. I I would have to I'll look up a, a scouting report just to see if that matches what he actually is. About Castillo, Heath. Uh, both of these guys should be added immediately in league specific leagues. Yeah, they are. I don't, I'm not adding them in any 12 team leagues, but I think maybe Team Kreeth may be making a move in the next few moments. Well, you're not going to get Andrew Moore because he's already been picked up, but you can try for Luis Castillo. Go get Luis Castillo, Chris. Yeah. I got him. Uh, (laughs) Homer Bailey. So Andrew Moore, low 90s, fastball kind of guy. So yeah, not necessarily a, an elite prospect there. I think Luis Castillo does throw a little harder. That makes me a little more excited about him. Also has a bit of a better uh, strikeout rate in the minors. But, you know, looks pretty impressive. Now, if Andrew Moore is good, then we can sing Britney Spears' Give Me More song. Give Me More. We could say that when, if we want to pick him up. Like if I can pick. We could. If you would rather have more or this guy, you'd say, give me, you know. I'll we let won't. You, I'll let but you. We could. <laughs> Homer Bailey's going to start on Saturday. Jose Bautista is Toronto's leadoff hitter, and he did that 40 times last year, and he only batted 239, but he had a bad batting average all year. With a buddy of 341 on base, 459 slugging, so he, you know, a good ISO, 220 ISO, and nine home runs, 22 RBIs, and 29 runs in 40 games. So Jose Bautista is Toronto's leadoff hitter right now. Value up, down, or the same? Up. Okay. For sure. Hanley Ramirez is dealing with a shoulder injury. He did pinch hit yesterday. Joey Gallo had an inside-the-park home run yesterday. He snapped a 6-for-50 slump. Uh, Jason Hayward remained out of the lineup. Dexter Fowler left with quad tightness. Eduardo Nunez could still end up on the DL. Hey, guess what? Zach Wheeler's on the DL with biceps tendonitis. He may only miss one start. Ryan Braun and Jonathan Villar will begin rehab assignments today. Gene Segura's back. Cody Allen was unavailable, as I mentioned, uh, for the save as his wife was giving birth. Jacoby Ellsbury could return soon from soon from his concussion. Marcus Simeon will begin a rehab assignment today. And what happens when you put the Diamondbacks at Coors Field? You get a ten-run inning. They scored ten runs in the fourth inning yesterday. So yeah, let's not uh, let's not totally overlook the Marcus Simeon news. This was a guy who had a uh, twenty-seven homers, ten steals last season. I think he's a uh, a viable shortstop option if he's out there. Okay, he is a long ways away though, because he's going to basically have yeah. like a spring training. So I'm thinking after the All Star break for Simeon. Luis Castillo is officially on Team Crete, by the way. Who'd you drop? Jacoby Ellsbury. But he's about to come back. Yeah, that's okay. He's a jag. He's a jag. 
Okay. By the way, the Yankees are so disgusted at first base. Um, they played Matt Holiday there, sat Chris Carter, and DH'd Gary Sanchez. But I'm just trying to think of when Ellsbury comes back, what will happen to Aaron Hicks, what will happen to Ellsbury. I think Ellsbury is going to lose the most playing time, uh, personally. Um, but we'll see. So, name that player. All right. Did you guys cheat or are we good here? Nope. No, I skipped down in the notes past it. Chris is going to win every single one. Yeah, yeah okay. I know. We only have two. Also, I'm just better. All right, I'm going to do this in the first person. I have more than a strikeout per inning, a sub-1 ERA, and a sub-1 whip. I just tied a record for the for the most consecutive relief appearances with a strikeout with 37 oh, in oh, a row. Anthony Swarzak. No. Okay. Since getting my first save on May 14th, I am Corey the, Knebel. Yeah. I'm the number two relief pitcher in both points and roto. Corey Knebel. Shooter. 37 straight games with a strikeout. That ties a Roldis Chapman for the longest streak since 1900. He's got a .98 ERA. A lot of walks. 17 walks and 36 and two-thirds, but a .98 whip because he can't get hit. Um, 64 Ks in 36 and two-thirds. So, yeah. Number two reliever since becoming the closer. I, I don't have anything to say about Canable. You think there's a chance he gets traded and loses the job? I mean, whatever. Tell me. <laughs> um, I don't think he gets – like, I don't know why they would trade him because they're in the playoff. Hunt. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Good example of just how frustrating and unpredictable relief pitchers can be. In 2015, he has a 322 ERA with a 403 FIP. Last season, he has a 468 ERA with a 358 FIP. And then this season, he's just elite across the board. Uh, <laughs> there's just so much fluctuation that this stretch may not continue. I would expect he will not have an ERA under one. But he has added nearly nearly two miles per hour on his fastball uh, over the last couple of years. He's averaging 97 this year, so it's not necessarily a fluke. All right, Corey Knable, you're good. And it's so funny. I just said, well, they might trade him just the way I think of the Brewers. They're in first place by a game and a half. Yep. Stupid on my part. Um, and only 20 and 22 at home in Miller Park. How about that? Oh, you can't pitch there. No, you can't pitch there. Corey Knable can. All right, name that player round two. I am hitting 286 with a 374 on base and a 521 slugging percentage. I have hit nine home runs with six steals. I did not start the season in the big leagues, but since my call-up on May 5th, I'm the number 24 outfielder in points leagues, number 16 in roto. So batting 286, nine homers, six steals, 24th in points, 16th in roto, was called up on May 5th. Tommy Pham? Tommy Pham! Congratulations. And he already said him. So there you go. I was actually a little annoyed when you mentioned Tommy Pham earlier. <laughs> but he did double dong yesterday. And 25% owned for Tommy Pham. How outrageous is that? I don't know who's writing waiver wire today, but he should be in it. Uh, Yeah, I mean, this is a guy with a career 825 OPS and 519 plate appearances. And there there was something with his eyesight. Yes, he had vision issues that apparent that... Apparently are, uh, were corrected, and they were hoping that he'd be able to sustain it. Because in the past, Tommy Pham had had good stretches, but he wasn't able to sustain it. But I think they fixed his vision issues. And you can you can actually see evidence of that, if nowhere else, in the strikeout rate. 
which has gone down from 28, 38% last year to 25%. Um, if he can be a 25% home run guy or strikeout guy, then, you know, that he could be an everyday player. So that's uh, going to transition us into our next segment, which is outfielders, under-owned, under, uh, over-owned, you tell me, or just hot hand plays. I'm just going to pull up on the most added, on the roster trends list. You can do most added. You can do most viewed. You can sort by most owned. And so let's start. Tommy Pham is not even on this list because it only shows 100. But let's start with guys who are 30% owned or, or, or more. We'll start at 30%. Um, Josh Reddick, 37%. I like him. Yeah, is he under-owned? Is he over-owned? Is it appropriate? I think he's slightly under-owned. I think Josh Reddick should be starting in most five outfields. Is he leagues. back from the DL yet? Yes. Okay, then yeah. Had a pair he's of hits probably on a little under-owned. Yeah, he sat yesterday against Manaya, the lefty, Josh Reddick, so you do have to worry about that. Uh, well, I guess what I'm looking for here is, um, instead of just, are these streaming outfielders, ride the hot hand, are we looking at someone who could have long-term success, rest-of-season success? I think Josh Reddick could absolutely be someone that's worth starting for the rest of the season. Lewis Brinson, 38% owned. No. Probably over-owned. Yeah, I think when Braun comes back, I would think Brinson goes down. I don't think he's even played half the games he's been up for yet. Malik Smith, 41% owned. I believe he has a hit every game since he's been up. Malik Smith. And he's batting leadoff every game, right? Yeah. Uh, Sousa hit leadoff at least one of those games. Okay. My bad then. Uh, he's probably hitting leadoff against righties and Sousa is against lefties. Malik has been, Malik Smith has been really good. Um, strikeout rate's a little high for someone who doesn't have power. He's right around 20%, but, you know, nine stolen bases especially, you, you gotta think 41%, that's not every roto league. Right. And I think he probably needs to be owned in every roto league. Okay. So Malik Smith is a little under owned, moving up. Jock Peterson, 41% owned. Yeah. I don't know why. No. Yeah, Jack. I think maybe it, it, he's probably going to get hot at some point, but you know, he hasn't done enough this year. Trey Mancini, 47% owned. You're welcome. I, I think that's I, fine. I'll take responsibility for that. I think he was like 17% at the beginning of the week. Uh yeah, that's that's about right for now. All right, so this is not necessarily a long-term going to have him on my team rest of season kind of guy, Trey Mancini. No, I think he's a pretty much a must-start player until Chris Davis comes back. Well, he's going to keep playing when Chris Davis comes back. Well, if he goes back to playing four to five days a week, then he's not. Yeah, I don't know what it is with Aoki. I guess it's just uh, not Aoki. Um, Yumsu Kim. Yumsu Kim. Both I think of he's kind of good. Yeah, I think he's good. You do? Yeah. All right. I guess Buck Showalter agrees. Uh, Kim Maniacs over here. Shinsu Chu. I love it. Shin Suchu, 49% owned. First of all, if you're in a points league, like, he's just great in that format. He has a three, uh, oh no, I don't have a slash line here, but he he's three, kind of been what we hoped Carlos Santana would be this year. Well, he's Chu. He just, he walks a ton. Yeah. He, he's got 42 walks in 62 games and 50 strikeouts, and I know over the last month he's been a beast in points leagues, but also 11 home runs and 6 steals, and while he is bad against lefties, batting 208, he has a 387 on base against lefties. Shinsu Chu has reached base multiple times for the seventh game in a row and tenth time in his last 11. He has reached base in 26 of his last 51 plate appearances. Is he under-owned at 
I think so. He has his most stolen bases since 2013, uh, his most home runs since 2015. He's already topped last year's total. I think Shinsu Chu's under, under-owned. How about 51% owned? He's 49% owned. 51% owned. We have David Peralta. No, I don't think he's under-owned. Just because I, I, I don't, I don't know how much you can own a, a platoon guy. Here's a guy that, by the way, about, by the, going back to Peralta, his numbers against lefties are awesome. I'm just wondering if they will eventually just let him hit against lefties. Now they haven't, I think he has 48 bats against lefties, but he's doing very well. I think what they, I think they play like Chris Herman against lefties or something like that. So I'm just wondering if Peralta could eventually stop being a platoon player. I view Peralta similarly to how I view Reddick. And Reddick's owned in 15 to 20% less leagues. So that's why I said Reddick is under-owned and Peralta is not. All right. Cameron Mabin, 57% owned. Is this a guy that can help you all year? The only question is if he can help you on points. Because definitely in Roto. Well, right. and if he can stay healthy, which he probably can't. <sighs> yeah, but... Man, he's been so good. I think he's slightly under-owned because he's so hot. And they're stealing a lot of bases, too. Angelton Simmons the one other one yesterday. Okay, how about Matt Adams, 65% owned? Yeah, probably a little bit under-owned because he's not just a first baseman. Um, he is an outfielder. and I view him right around where I view the Logan Morrison... Justin Smoke class. He's maybe a little below those guys, but the fact that he has outfield eligibility helps. That's Matt Adams, 65% owned. Do a few more here. Starling Marte, 76% owned. He should be pretty close to 100%. Yeah, because he's coming probably another month or so. I wrote about him in the uh, trade chart that's coming out on CBSSports.com later today (laughs) and how it was time to add some stashes or trade for some stashes. He should be owned everywhere. Oh uh, yeah, I'm thinking he'll be back shortly after the All Star break. Starling Marte, right? He, yep. His last game was April 17th. All right, then uh, I think we're about done with that. Scott Shebler is 78% owned. Shebler is the number 28 outfielder in points leagues, number 23 in roto. Shebler 78% owned. That's about right. I believe in it. I think he's been under owned all season. He's been. He hasn't really had like a cold stretch this year, has he? A little He's had bit. Forty-three OPS in every uh, in every month so far. Just before, just before this stretch of two homers in his last three games, Shebler had a fourteen-game stretch with a two-fifty batting average and two home runs. And if he doesn't homer, you're not really getting anything from Shebler. So he, like, if you look at his fantasy points in those last two weeks, they were pretty low. But he's seventy eight percent owned and, and he's got twenty home runs. <laughs> One of the leaders. It's weird, in he only has a seven thirty nine OPS at home. Mm, that is weird. Uh he's been very good against lefties. He's got a six twelve slugging percentage against lefties entering yesterday's game. Uh all right, guys. Uh, it's almost time for buy or sell, but somebody made history yesterday and it was Rich Hill. First starting pitcher in baseball history to last five or fewer innings in each of his first nine starts. So what do you think about Rich Hill? Eighty two percent owned. He was he was better last night. Yeah, <laughs> he was. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you can't drop him now. He's. Str- I know the control's been bad, and I don't get that. But 
One thing I want to point out with Hill, it's not the the fact that he's not throwing more than five innings. It's not because of the blister. I don't think it's not because they're being cautious with him. It's because he's been bad. But I actually would almost prefer that at least he's got the potential to keep throwing a hundred pitches, and if he pitches better, go deep into games rather than them limiting him because of blisters. Like if you if you dropped Rich Hill, I'd pick him up. He's eighty two percent owned. What do you think? I'm probably picking him up if somebody else drops him. Yeah, I, I don't know, maybe. Depends on what my team looks like. I've I've got one league where I've got like Faria, Francis Martez, and uh, I just added Pavetta. I don't know if I would pick Rich. You Hill wouldn't up. pick Rich Hill up over Nick Pavetta? I would. Yes. I don't know. Like oh, Rich Hill on. threw 110 innings. It's time last to know, season. Chris. You've got to make the decision right now. Hill or Pavetta? Rest of the season. I'll ha- I have Hill ranked higher for okay. sure, but I don't know if that's a move I would make. That's insane. <laughs> I just don't have a lot of faith in this guy who has very little track record. You don't have a lot of faith in Nick Pavetta either. Sure, but it's just I, a hope. Sure, but that's it's the same thing with Rich Hill. At least Nick Pavetta's no. pitching well right it's now. It's not the same thing with Rich Hill. Rich Hill, for the last two seasons, when he's pitched, has been Hold unbelievable. On. He, he threw twenty nine innings in two thousand five, and they were twenty nine. Un- we're not and, giving and the, him. No, no, the no. Last we are. We are because he backed it up in two thousand sixteen. We are giving him that because those two, those twenty nine innings were awesome. Like he's showing, yeah, we're we're like he's already thrown more innings this season than he did in 2015. He's at about 35 percent of his 2016 total already. Like we're we're reaching a point where 2017's very quickly catching up. Who to cares? The good 2016 I, I don't know why that sample. I don't know why that matters to you so much. Like the, what what I see in Rich Hill track was, record. Yeah, no, his track record doesn't really matter. He reinvented himself as a pitcher. His curveball is fantastic, and when Rich Hill is right. We've seen 2015 very briefly in 2016 for like half a season. We've seen a straight-up elite pitcher, one of the best in baseball. That is the track record that matters to me, not everything else that's come before it. It just oh no no, no. I'm not I'm not like looking at the track record before it. I'm I'm just looking at it. Like, this guy wasn't good enough to pitch in the majors for a long time. He's had a half good season. And Nick Pavetta wasn't good enough to pitch in the majors for a long time. Sure. He had two good starts. Sure. But like even generally speaking, you know, you're just you just value Look, it more I, than I, I have, do. I will have Rich Hill ranked higher than Nick Pavetta for sure. See, I don't think that you have to – it's going to sound crazy. I don't think that you have to be consistent in the way you evaluate players. I don't think that you need to take into track record into account equally for every player. Because if you do, then you run the risk of undervaluing a guy like Jose Barrios. when his, Sure, but his, you also run the risk of overreacting to Nelson Lamette. Yeah, but what was the harm in overreacting mm-hmm. to Denelson Lamette? Like you, you, you dropped him. Yeah, you picked him up, you dropped him. That, that's how fantasy What's, baseball isn't works. Isn't that the harm with everything? No, but I don't have a problem like picking up a player that I might drop as long as I'm not dropping someone that's that I shouldn't. Like be I've dropping. never said not to add Jose Barrios. I said to add Jose Barrios. I wrote about him multiple times in waiver wire. But but okay, but Rich Hill has a has a much better track record than than Denelson Lamette. Like anybody who makes two good starts. You know, I don't. Uh, that's different than somebody who had a who was the be- one of the best pitchers in baseball for a season. I would argue that Nick Pavetta is closer to Nelson Lamette than of course. Rich Hill. It's exactly. And Nelson I have Lamette. and I've said six or seven times now that I will have Rich Hill ranked higher than Nelson or Nick Pavetta. But well, if that, Rich that, Hill gets dropped in my league, I'm not running out to grab him because I don't have much faith in him. But what, I guess you're what, hoping what that Rich Hill is going to, to be understand good. is because you do keep saying I'll have Hill ranked out of Pavetta, mm-hmm. and that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But you waffle on whether you would pick. Rich okay, Hill I will or drop Nick Pavetta. Nick Pavetta for Rich Hill. Okay, but I'm whatever. Like <laughs> the specifics of that, who cares? 
yes, I would do that. But my point is I'm not rushing out to grab Rich Hill if I see him on the waiver wire. Like, it's just – it's not going to be a priority for me. Okay. Uh, okay, so in the bullpen, Jim Johnson and Hector Neris each blew a save – I, I would assume Johnson has some job security, but I also think he's a good trade candidate, and I wonder if we should stash Erodas Viscaino. I wonder if we should stash Pat Neshek. Uh, your thoughts, fellas? I'm not necessarily excited about stashing either one of them. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not stashing bad relievers on Wait, bad teams. But okay, but Viscaino's actually having a really good season, and I do think the Braves need to trade Jim Johnson. So yeah. Um, well, they, yes, they need him to pitch a little better than he has recently, so they can. Uh, he's been, yeah, I mean, this was a bad outing, but he's actually had a good year. Hasn't, I, I, and I'm gonna look right now. Uh I was under the impression the month of June had not been very kind to Jim Johnson. It might be, but you're, you know, talking about two bad outings in the month of June and he's not gonna have a good Good numbers. Right. I, I just, this year. and maybe this is another case of I didn't think Jim Johnson was a top 25 closer coming into the year. No, but, okay, but Vizcaino has a 210 ERA, nine walks, 36 strikeouts, and 30 innings. So he's actually, you know, pitching pretty well. And I would assume he'd be the closer if Johnson gets traded. And I would assume Jim Johnson's going to be one of those hot names on the trade market. So if this is not relevant for that many people, but there are, you know, we get emails. Hey, who's what's who are the closers to stash? Right. And the trade deadline is somewhat rapidly approaching. We're a month away from this being like really intense. So I just want to put a name on the radar. That's it. Y'all do what you want with it. Y'all play scared. Buy or sell. Buy or sell. Here we go. Max Scherzer is a top 12 overall player rest of season and therefore would be a first round pick if we were drafting today. Sell. He would be 13. Really? Uh, see, we've had this whole thing on Twitter about Max Scherzer has passed Clayton Kershaw as a starting pitcher, and I think it's kind of silly because you can't say, like, he is currently pitching better. Kershaw has this track record that nobody that's in the major leagues is going to approach, I don't think. <laughs> it's so crazy. The only argument for Scherzer over Kershaw is if you're worried about Kershaw's back. That's it. Well, well, it's just the last 15 starts. That's it. Yeah. I mean, Kershaw got hurt last year, and Scherzer has been better this year. Those, so there's two arguments. Max Scherzer has a 209 ERA. That would be the second worst ERA of Clayton Kershaw for Clayton Kershaw over his previous four seasons. I, I said he's been better this year. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, the, if you're worried about the injury, then fine. But let's also not forget that Scherzer had a knuckle injury preseason. So you're guaranteeing that Kershaw is going to be better than Scherzer the rest of the season? I'm guaranteeing that unless you're concerned about the injury, there is no Why are you so worried about track record? Heath, (laughs) if Max Scherzer was dropped, (laughs) would you drop Clayton Kershaw to pick him up? (laughs) There's no justification, I think, for ranking any pitcher above uh, ahead of Clayton Kershaw. Um, I just gave you two. I I mean, there is, but it's totally dependent on recency bias. Like... Clayton Kershaw's been so much better over the course of about six years that you have to take 250 starts from both of them and just throw them out the window. And and we're also those aren't relevant to this discussion. The last 15 are. And when we're talking about people will do that. When we're talking about recency bias, we're talking about this week because Kershaw had a better ERA than Scherzer. I'm pretty sure. 
like but, two starts ago, yeah. One start ago, I think, before the Monday start when he gave up four home runs to the Mets, I think. But, you know, ERA is not everything. Scherzer's striking everybody out. But you, he's not a top 12 player for you overall. Like, I think I would have to take Scherzer over Charlie Blackman. I think I would have to take him over, uh, like, hmm. I, like, I think trading Chris Bryant for Scherzer is totally fair. Um, I will say that he, I'll just hedge, cause that's the most fun thing to do. He is a top 12 player in points the rest of the season. I mean, okay. my thing is, like, we're talking recency bias. Charlie Blackman's on pace for 130 runs and 110 RBI. Oh, it has nothing to do with Charlie Blackman. It has everything to do with starting pitching and the value of having a, an ace like Scherzer. You know, yeah. how many hitters am I actually going to take over Scherzer and Kershaw? So I buy it in points, sell it in Roto. All right, fine. Moving on. Boo. Moving on. This is from Dan Burt. Dear Wojo, Cherokee, and Trajan. Those are Duke players, yeah. right? Yes, they are. Are you still buying Michael Conforto? Yes. I'm not buying him right now. Like, I'm not actively trying to trade for him. He is a little banged up, apparently. He's and... been dealing with a back issue. Which are bad. Sure, but this slow stretch was before the back injury. Um he hit two home runs on May 23rd, 25 games ago, 106 plate appearances since then. He's hitting 193 with a 657 OPS. Oh. He's only got one home run in that stretch. <laughs> Ew. It's, he's but not bad. He's only striking out 26% of the time in that stretch, which is fine. He's walking 17% okay, of the time. Okay, when we say buying Michael Conforto, what are we saying? I, I still have him as a top 20 outfield. There, okay, there you go. I never did. So I guess we're we're both equally buying Michael Conforto. He's got it. What, an 8-20, OPS for his career? That's probably more real than the 950 he's got this year. Okay, then. Buy or sell from Chad. Lance Lynn, top 25 pitcher. I'm going to buy that. He's an old man's Jamison Tyone. Uh, sell, for sure. I, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm going to sell it because I don't have Tyone as a top 25 either. Sell. sell. I think Tyone's... FIP is probably two runs better than Lance Lynn's at this point. Uh, and buy or sell from Will. Salazar returns and holds a rotation spot after the All-Star break. Bye. Bye, 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 bye. Buy or sell from Dallas Bruce. Tom Murphy is a top 12 catcher rest of season. Does he have a hit yet? <laughs> I don't know, actually. Uh, he does not, I believe. No. Um He's only eight plate appearances, but they're not playing him every single day They're yet. working him in. Working him in. But they also really like uh, Walter's pitch framing. They they like his defensive ability and yeah. what it's done for their pitching staff. Mm-hmm. Um, so buy or sell? Top 12. So sell, but top 18. Okay. He's a two-catcher league guy. Uh, buy or sell from Matthew Fox. Sean Manaya, top 20 starter. Whoa, 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 you skipped one. I'm going back to it, I promise. Okay. Uh, sell, but he's top 30. Yeah, I think I have him, yeah, not in my top 30 yet, but now he is. Buy or sell from JP, Andrew McCutcheon, long term. Woohoo, Adam, you're the only one that can answer this. I guess I have to still sell it, right? It's up to you, buddy. Yeah, neither Heath or I sold him when he was struggling, so. Yeah, I mean, 
I would still I would try to sell high on him. I feel like an idiot uh, every day. I think he walked two more times yesterday. I loved yeah. Andrew McCutcheon coming into the year, and the fact that he's making you feel like an idiot makes me love yeah. him even more. I mean, the thing is, like, he still had, what, like seven horrible weeks? I don't know how many it was. So I think his owners, like, he's he's probably ranked now in the outfield standings where you sort of expected him to be uh, at the beginning of the year. His overall numbers, there's still nothing special. It's just he's hot now. He was so bad before that. Well, he's got an 840 OPS. Probably has a little bit of room to grow from there. So let me just, okay, I've compared him to Adam Jones a million times, and Adam Jones is pretty jaggy at this point. Uh, uh-huh. McCutcheon is doing exactly what Jones did. Jones was off to a terrible start last year. They moved him to leadoff. In this case, they moved McCutcheon to sixth, and all of a sudden everything magically turned around. But guess what happened to Adam Jones at the end of last year, if I remember correctly? He got pretty ordinary again and slumped. So I'm going to sell Andrew McCutcheon long term. How about that? He still has his lowest uh, BABIP ever. Because he's worse than ever. This is from Tony. Buy or sell. Bellinger outperforms Judge rest of season. Sell, but like we said on Monday, I think it's closer than most people think. Sell them both. You don't need those guys. (laughs) Adam Hammond. Buy or sell. Vince Velasquez must be owned by the season's end. Bye. He will be must-own at some point. I don't know if he will be must-own at the season's end. And buy or sell from Brad Simon. Brendan Rodgers replaces Trevor Story by the end of the season. Sell. Story's fine. Sell. Okay. It's time for a steals alert. Delano DeShields stole his 17th base as Carlos Gomez sat yesterday, but he still doesn't. he's just not going to play enough. However, he'll get you some steals. He's 20% owned. Howie Kendrick... 18% owned, has eight steals in 30 games. So he is on a career pace. Kendrick has never stolen more than 14 bases in a season. He has eight in 30 games. He also has 10 hits in his last four games. I think he's batting like 350. Can uh, I, uh, can I just rewind us to like 20 seconds ago for just one second? Oh yeah. Have you seen what Brendan Rodgers is doing this season? Uh, you know I haven't. He's 20 years old and he's in the California League, which is a really good hitters league, but he's hitting 400 and 222 plate appearances with an 1119 OPS. What were Trevor Story's numbers? Because they hit, they hit in the PCL and they hit in a good ballpark. Uh, Story, had, I don't know, but I don't think he was a 20 year old when no. he was doing that. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. And Brendan Rodgers, for anyone who doesn't know, was I think the number two pick. In the draft a couple of years ago, I think he was the was he in the Dansby Swanson draft? Again, I have no idea. Uh, Stop asking questions that don't. Uh, Trevor Story had a 700 OPS in the California League. Brendan Rodgers currently has a 700 slugging. Wait percent. a second. Wait a second. His last season in the minors? No, 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 no. In the California League, when he was he was 20 in the California League and had a three 700 years before OPS. he got to the majors. What was that? Three years before he got to the majors? Yeah. Just kind of gives you an idea that Rodgers might be a little ways away, too. He wasn't the prospect Rodgers is. No. Rodgers is one of the, in long-term dynasty leagues, is probably one of the top players right now. Okay. Uh, so Harry Kendrick, 18% owned, and again, eight steals and 30 bases. Cold Nose 007 wants to know if he should drop Malik Smith for Harry Kendrick. I'd no. rather have Malik Smith. I would, too. Bradley Zimmer has seven steals and 32 games and a really good slash line. He doesn't play every day, but he's 51% owned. And you can ignore Harry Andre, 
I don't know how to pronounce it. Adrianza, I believe. Adrianza, I got. I mean, I, I watched the highlight clip and got the, the last name. E-H-I-R-E. Not quite clear on, but you can ignore. He had three steals yesterday for the Twins. He barely plays, so. Um, all right. Howie Kendrick at 18%. Any interest there, guys? He should be a little higher than 18%. Yeah. I think the uh, Saunders getting DFA'd means that we don't have to worry quite as much about Kendrick's playing time either. Let's take a look at fringy starting pitchers from yesterday. Kind of an interesting group. And Jordan Montgomery is 80% owned. He's got his walks under control. Last eight starts, he has 12 walks and 46 innings. That's going to help his whip. He has pretty high whip this year, but the walks are better. And, yeah, you know, pretty typical Jordan Montgomery start. Five and two-thirds, two runs. Michael Waka, 71% owned. He's just been dreadful. Uh, last six starts, he has an 8.17 ERA. Michael Waka. Dan Straley is 80% owned, and... He's been very good and actually been bad on the road, but really good at home. Ian Kennedy is 42% owned, and again, he struggled. Tyson Ross, 52% owned, got lit up by the Blue Jays. Sean Newcomb had a good start, only 3Ks, but a good start, one walk against the Giants. And he, I believe, is a two-star pitcher next week. Junior Guerra, I don't know where all these walks are coming from, but he has 22 walks in 37 and two-thirds, and he did have a quality start yesterday, but a dreadful whip. Mike Fires, we talked about. Joe Biagini's been bad two starts in a row, and Nick Pavetta is better than Rich Hill. Uh, so I said a lot of names there. Who are your favorites in the fringy starting pitchers? Jordan Montgomery, Michael Waka, Dan Straley, Ian Kennedy, Tyson Ross, Sean Newcomb, Junior Guerra, Mike Fires, Joe Biagini, and Nick Pavetta. Who wants to give us our top three? Sure. Uh, for me, it's Montgomery, Straley, and probably Newcomb. I'm going to give my top four because there's four that I actually like, and that would be not in no particular order: Montgomery, Newcomb, Guerra, and Straley. You still like Guerra, huh? Yeah, and I would pick up Pavetta over anybody but the three guys that I named: and Rich Hill. And Rich Hill. I would like to like Junior Guerra, but he is walking everybody. That yeah. just that can't last. That's not well, but. Again, I remember a very wise fantasy baseball analyst <laughs> earlier in the year said, you know, he, his main problem is he's just walking too many people, but he's never had control problems. So See, I just don't think that's going to keep happening. I don't know what his minor league track record is, Junior Guerra, but he he had, what, like his, three-something walks per nine last year? Like, his minor league track control. record's almost non-existent, right? Hadn't he... Didn't he come over from the Mexican League last year? I would really I, like for you to stop asking questions, Chris. It's just not a good look for me. I haven't been able to answer one of them. <laughs> <laughs> he did have 3.2 walks per nine. He can survive at that rate. Yeah. But but not at this rate. Not at like right. six per nine. Uh, okay. So there are some fringy starting pitchers for you. And Montgomery and Australia are 80% owned. Uh, I think they're both a little under-owned. New continue to like way up. What? Newcomb needs to go way up. Yeah, I mean, the one really good start to open the season, not great against the Marlins in his second start, and then last night only six swinging strikes, but the Giants are a contact-heavy team, so I don't know how to judge that, but the talent level makes him, separates him from the rest. I think Tyson Ross is way over-owned at 52% right now. Let me tell you something that's going to make you do a backflip and pick up Sean Newcomb everywhere he's available. Sean Newcomb is at San Diego and at Oakland next week. Uh, I'm if I tried to do a backflip, we would have to call the ambulance. I'm doing but, a dance. Yeah, go pick up Sean Newcomb everywhere he's available. Yeah, you know, as Monty Grandal went double dong yesterday, 
He is the number seven catcher in points leagues, and I th- I would say he was having a pretty disappointing season before yesterday. Um, but even then, I think he was top ten. Maybe maybe he's about twelfth yesterday. I actually looked it up before the two homer game. Uh, would you rather have Grandal or Wilson Ramos? Grandal. Grandal. Let's take a look at today's matchups. It's going to take me just a second to pull it up. Are you guys excited for the NBA draft? I am very excited and preparing myself to be extremely let down. This seems like I'm could ready be a lot for just ridiculous things to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Porzingis will be on the blank on Friday. Knicks. That's the safest bet. It's funny because <laughs> like everybody in the NBA thought Mark L. Fultz is the clear number one prospect and the Celtics don't want him. So they dropped down to number three. And now Woj reports that everyone is trying to trade into the top four to get Josh Jackson, and the Celtics don't want him either. <laughs> well, the Celtics don't know anything. All right, Cardinals at Phillies. We have Carlos Martinez. You're going to start him. Aaron Nola against uh, the Cardinals. Starter set. Start. Uh, start-ish. Jose Quintana at Minnesota. Start. Start. Okay, Martin Perez against the Blue Jays. No. Very much set. We're starting both Nova and Chase Anderson. Yes. yes. Would you start either Zach Godley or Antonio Senzatella at Coors Field? Godley if I'm desperate because he is a ground ball guy, but I'd prefer not to. Not at Coors. Uh, David Paulino and Jesse Hahn. Uh, I'm sitting both. Jesse Chavez at the Yankees. Nope. Sitting him. Mike Clevenger and Wade Miley. Nope. Sitting both. Jake Arietta and Jeff Locke. Starting Arietta. Jaime Garcia against the Giants. I might start him in a points league. Yeah. Daniel Norris and Andrew Moore, Tigers and Mariners. Uh, no. Yeah, I'll probably pass. Although Norris is interesting because Mariners do have a lot of lefties. It's a home game for the Mariners, so it's not a bad place for him to pitch. Uh Uh-huh, but no. Uh, in a 14 team league, I will. Steven Matz and Hyunjin Ryu struggling with the Matz decision. Struggling. I'll start Matz. They're He's... just, the Dodgers are just ridiculous right now. Yeah, and Matz, uh, you know, the results haven't been bad, but the swing strikes have not been there for him. And they're not bad against lefties right now either, I checked to the Dodgers. So, uh, Matz or Ryu, are you starting either one? I'll start Matz. Yeah, Heath, Ryu? Oh yeah, Mets. What about Ryu? No. No, not Ryu. <laughs> okay. Alright guys, that was fun. Yeah, that's my favorite, favorite segment of the show to be honest. Is what? Oh, that's the match. When match-ups? you ask us which starting pitchers to start that night and then people tweet me as they get blown up. Oh. It's, it's really awesome. Well, who did, you said start uh, well, well, last what, night I said start fires, and then you guys sang the "We didn't start my fires." No, Scott did. Ha! Scott did. Scott did. I was started fires against the A's. Uh, I think I don't know if I said anything about it yesterday. If I did, then ignore what I just said. Now, goodbye, everybody. We'll talk to you on Friday. <laughs>